Happy New Year. Uh, it's uh, January 3rd, 2021. Anyone disappointed to be out of 2020? I know, that's a bit of a ridiculous statement. Honestly, uh, let's be honest, uh, 2020 was a very difficult year. Uh, let's call it actually what it really was. It was a hard year for a lot of us in various ways. Now, I know that uh, what I could do, actually most years uh, around this time, I would do or we would do a series called a resolution series where we'd look back on last year and then look ahead to the new year. Um, had a different thought on our minds for this year and that's why we're beginning with a series this week called Refocus. And the reason for that is because, yes, we've been through a lot and we could spend a lot of time today reminiscing, thinking back to what we've been through, what the world has been through with COVID and pandemic and uh, racial tensions and politics and on and on we could go. But really today our heart was that we want to focus on 2021, not for getting per se the past, but looking forward and especially looking forward in the sense where we're asking and looking to the Lord and the Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us into where He wants us to go in this new year. So, like I often like to do, I answer the question, why refocus? Kind of did that, but let me give you a little bit more context. Eleven years ago, three months and three days ago to this day, the Rock Church officially launched on Sunday, September 27, 2009. And by that time, before we even got here, we'd spent a couple of years praying with a team of people who were praying about us coming here to plant this church and, and, and praying about and thinking about and listening to the Lord, okay, well, what should that church look like? Where should we locate in Squamish? And, and, and Lord, we're going there by ourselves. Who are you going to send us? And just praying about it. And then we get here and for 10 months, uh, uh, we're, we're praying with those people who had come to meet with us and gather with us. And we were looking into and beginning to focus on what would this church actually look like. And from the very beginning, our heart was, we didn't want to just take some church model or some idea that we'd seen somewhere else that was apparently successful and say, well, we'll do that in Squamish. No, we really wanted to look to God's Word and discern what He would have us to do. So many of you know the story, uh, even to our name. Our very name comes from that time when we were looking into these things, and it tells you a lot about how we perceive ourselves as a church. You'll remember the story in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus stops at a point midway in His ministry, and He asks His disciples a seminal question, a really important question. And the question is, who do people, all these people who have been following me for the last year and a half, say that the Son of Man is? Well, of course, the apostles at that time uh, respond with, well, well, some people say you're, you know, John the Baptist uh, resurrected, obviously. Some say Elijah uh, as well, and others, Jeremiah, or some of the other prophets. And so they're just telling him the truth. People are speaking about him and, 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 and saying that, well, some people think you're one of these prophets. Come back to life. But then Jesus does the most important thing we saw at that time, and we should see it today. He personalizes the question, and he asks, but who do you say that I am? It's a really important point in his ministry for his disciples, and it is for you and I here today as well. 
Well, Simon Peter gets it right. Uh, I love that about him occasionally. Occasionally he gets it right. And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He declares it, truthfully, who Jesus is. A sign of belief coming from Peter, which is amazing. Well, Jesus answer him, answers him and says, well, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, but let me just, just so you know, you didn't come up with that by yourself. My heavenly Father just revealed that to you. And then Jesus says these words in Matthew 16, 18, where he says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so I remember really well many years ago looking at that passage together, and, and at that point, not because of that famous rock on Highway 99, but at that point in time, we literally, because we didn't have a name yet for our church, we took our name and our mission from this very passage. And of course, our name is the rock, and we understood it to tell us a couple of things. We we understood it to tell us this really clearly from these words. Jesus said, I will do the building of my church. Nice of you to show up, Glenn, and your family and everybody else. Nice of you to show up. I will use you, but it's going to be me who's going to build this church. I will build this church. And so we also learn from that, it's his church. It's not our church. Well, we get to be part of it, which is an amazing and wonderful thing, but it is his church church very clearly. But we also saw something here in this passage that gave us mission and purpose. I mean, we, we know the great co-mission, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing in the name, and on and on. We know the great commission. But even here, we got our mission statement from this passage. And the reason was, it was clear as we look back on that day in history, when I mean, you can ask the question, Jesus, really? You're asking, are people talking about you? The answer to that question was, they sure were. He was the talk of the town. Thousands upon thousands of people were following him. The news about him was spreading throughout all of Judea to the known ends of the world at that time. And so, yes, people were talking about him. And so we thought about that and it was like, not so much here in Squamish, right? Even to this day. Well, maybe hopefully more so a little bit. And so we, we took our mission from that and our mission statement from that, and it is simply this. We, the Rock Church, exist to do this. Make Jesus known. Make his name known. Make him famous to spread the news about Jesus as far as we can. Well, well then the question has to become, well, okay, well, that, that's great, but how are we going to do that? We're just going to have prayer meetings, well, yeah, those would be good, but what are we going to do? What are we going to do in order to make Jesus known? What should our church look like? Well, again, we headed to Scripture, uh, to the Word. We wanted to base everything that we were doing on His Word, and we decided to look at the very passage of Scripture that I'm going to read for you this morning, and we're going to spend the next five, maybe six weeks in, in our Refocus series. And it's, of course, found in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. So let me read that passage for us this morning, and then I'll pray for us one more time, and then we'll continue in our Refocus series. These are the words recorded by Luke, and he begins this way in verse 42. And they, those new believers in Jesus Christ, 
devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions, their belongings, and distributing proceeds to all as anyone had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added daily to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we pray to all of you this morning because all of you are involved in this. All of you are responsible for the planting of this church that we're reading about here today. And so we thank you so much. We thank you so much that these words have been recorded, the history of your church, Jesus, that you are building, that you empowered Holy Spirit on this day and every day forward. So gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for providing these things to us. We pray, especially going into this new year, Lord, I pray going into this new year that we would have renewed and revived hearts Hearts that would be full of awe, like the people in this day, toward you and what you are doing right now, here in Squamish and around the world. So I pray these things now, and I pray for your guidance, Holy Spirit, in what we look at today and in the weeks ahead. And I pray these things in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. So, I remember really well, actually, uh, looking at this passage, and for some people who were sitting in our sunroom of our home, which is where we had our first gatherings of our church, some people were like, okay, like, been, been, been through this passage like a million times, and, and so, what, what's, well, let's keep looking. Let's, what's going on here? And some would say, well, yeah, but that was a, a pattern, a model that happened back then, and, you know, uh, you know today, really, I mean, what, you know, we, we need to make sure we get a really good sound system and have, like, like blazing, amazing worship, and, and, you know, we need to, you know, we need to, first of all, find out how well you can preach, Glenn, and then we'll see how it goes from there. No, really, we need to look at all those things. And uh, I was at that point going, no, okay, people weren't being that crazy, but it was kind of like, what do, we, what do we glean from this? Really? Well, after actually months of prayer and study, we saw three basic things come from these verses. This is literally the birth of the church. This is literally the first church plant ever. It is the ecclesia that Jesus told them he would build back in Matthew 16. This is it. This is how it began. The Holy Spirit, as we know on the day of Pentecost, has been poured out. They are now, these people are now the temples of the Holy Spirit. God is now in them, in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. And we read that after that day, when Peter preached possibly one of the most amazing gospel messages ever, 3,000 souls, really actually about 5,000 to 6,000 men and women came to saving faith in Jesus Christ, believed, and were baptized. That was an amazing sermon. 
That's how the church began. And we see that what they did from that point on is that they devoted themselves to basically four things. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, which is this beautiful word koinonia, which we'll look at in a couple of weeks in more depth, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Well, this then became our model too, as we understood it. For our Sunday gatherings, we, we come together here at the Ledge Community Coffee House, which is our ministry center in downtown Squamish, around all of these in worship. And I want to make that point. All of these in worship. We don't separate the worship music from the worship gathering. The gathering is worship. All of it is intended to be worship, of which the music and the singing is part. So we, we even saw some more things here, though, that were very interesting. Yes, they gathered on Sunday and did all these things. And that's what we do. We gather around the teaching of God's Word. We, we have fellowship with one another, koinonia. We, we, we break bread every Sunday at the Rock Church. Haven't been able to do that much in this past year. We've got to find ways to do that this year. Amen. And of course, the prayers. That's our model. But then we notice this in those verses 42 to 47. They not only gathered on the first day of the week, they scattered. Where? Into their homes. They scattered into their homes, essentially, look at this, doing the same thing. Gathering around the apostles' teaching, the Bible, gathering together as a family in Koinonia, eating meals together and maybe even having communion, breaking bread together, and yes, praying together. We established as a result of that in the early days what we call our missional community groups. And so some people will go, well, okay, well, where's the missional in, in those verses that you just read? Well, just keep reading. Because see, what happens is, in the early church, for at least a week or two or maybe a couple of months, they kept just doing this. And they just kept doing this. And they were devoted to it. And they were really devoted to it. And then, Peter and John, chapter 3, go to temple. And others start going out. And they keep going. And they keep going. And they follow Jesus' commission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, baptizing people in his name. And that's the purpose of our, quote, missional community groups, is that we would gather together, bless each other, disciple one another, love each other, become truly a family, and then as individual groups, discover a place to go into this community, to bless this community, and proclaim the gospel. That's our model. That's who we are. So it's been almost 12 years, and actually, as I look back on it, we've seen the Lord, the Lord do some really amazing things in us and through us during these years. Many people have believed and been baptized, and guess what? Three more will do that next Sunday. You're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be awesome. Many, many more have been built up in their faith and are growing in their faith. We, we have also sent many, many individuals, but also couples away to other communities to be missionaries in those communities. And they're doing that, and we hear from them to this day. By establishing our missional outpost in, in the downtown uh, of Squamish, British Columbia, right here, the Ledge Community Coffee House, we are doing that 
all, every day, Monday to Saturday, with our team of men and women who are members of the Rock Church, who serve here, we are definitely doing this, making Jesus known right here in the heart of our community. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but our testimony in this community has actually been very good. Our testimony has been very, very good. City council and staff who at one time, I remember making an application to be able to buy this space and, and, and be able to gather here, and originally our application was no way. It was turned down. So we prayed as a, as a, as a team, and, and we rewrote the application, and I put something in there about, well, so if we were to have yoga classes here, I'm, and, and something else, and we want to gather as a church, but during the week be a coffee shop, and, and they approved. And from that point on, we began to gain what we would call favor with the community, more and more with the community. A good example of that is last uh, February, I remember getting a call during a very, very difficult time for all of us from the mayor of our city. And she was calling us to let me know that she and her staff and council were thinking about us and were grateful that we were here to be with the family of dear Ava Grace and this whole community of Squamish. We did that. We did that last year. So once again, why refocus? I mean, on one hand, it sounds like things have been going pretty good. Well, I feel, and the elders do as well, that it's a good idea and to do that for several reasons. First, even for a church that has seen things going pretty well. And please hear me, we're not a perfect church. Amen? We're not a perfect church. Even in that case, though, complacency and discouragement can become a reality after 10 to 12 years. Then you add in tragic losses and a pandemic, and well, yeah, refocus. Refocus. Let's, let's be clear. Last year, almost 12 months ago now, we had to stop all gatherings here at the ledge. Completely stop. We had, to, we had to close our coffee shop for two, three, I don't know how many months it was, but it was a couple anyway. We had to close our doors. We, we could not gather here. We could not even gather in our missional community groups. Everything had to be done, whether it was live streaming here on Sundays like we're doing today, or, or Zoom for our, our missional community groups. Hands up, Zoom. Awesome, right? And even for elders' meetings, Bible studies, everything was done that way. We could not even, even get together on the street together physically for such a long time, and that's not good. But secondly, as a result of COVID, starting last April, I'm, I'm as many of you know, I'm, I'm lead pastor here, I'm one of the elders, and I'm like, I, I feel like I'm charged as the one to, okay, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so I, I started uh, listening to and talking with many pastors and ministry leaders across North America. Beginning in April, I'm like, what's going on? And asking questions. And, and two thoughts emerged um, that I was reading and talking to other uh, ministry leaders in Canada and the UNS, United States about, and I shared with our elders. And the first thought was this, was that this pandemic might not just be a blizzard, you know? like a really bad storm. No, it actually might be a winter. Well, it's been a winter. So it then might also be a 
a very long ice age. And so some would say, well, that's pretty, pretty negative thinking. And so what was the purpose behind that? Well, the purpose was, or the point was, we need to plan for the worst per se, while hoping for the best. The second, however, was this, and I believe it is equally, we equally come true, and it relates more, I believe, for our need as a church to refocus. Many pastors and churches adopted and continue to adopt, continue to this day, adopt the thinking that, all oh, listen, all we want, all we care about is getting back to the way things used to be, business as usual. We should have an online vote, right? But of course, there would be nothing wrong with that. But, but that's been what people are just praying about and hoping about for 9, 10, 11 months. And I just want to suggest this to you. Despite, despite that not being a bad idea, it may not be what the Holy Spirit, what the Lord has in mind for us at least to learn about this period. So with that in mind, in the early summer, I was led to, we were led to establish an extended ministry team of men and women whom I started meeting with, yes, via Zoom, but sometimes going for walks, physically distanced, and also inviting them into a Facebook group to discuss a few books that I thought would help us discern what's going on. One of those books was a book by a pastor in New York City that I really admire and like. His name is John Tyson, the book is called Creative Minority, some really good ideas, kind of prophetic about, you know, what it would look like to be a small number of people who could really make a difference in the world and the culture, even in difficult times, great ideas. And so I shared that with the team. And listen, truth be told, and, and, and no fault to any individual in the group, we had a few ideas to start with, and then it just started to slow down. Not too many ideas came out of that. And the reality is, well, we've all been feeling the results of COVID, haven't we? It's like, well, what does this all mean? Where do we go? Well, then as we entered the fall season, we had a brief period, very brief period, where we could invite 28 to 30 people here on, on Sunday mornings. And, and we were back to live, live streaming. No more pre-recording, which is what we're doing here this morning. And it was awesome for that little period of time. And of course, the work that Sarah has been doing with, with the Kids Rock virtually for children every Sunday is amazing. It's really been wonderful. But again, as you know, it's hard to feel like, it's hard to feel like this is really being the church, isn't it? when we cannot physically gather on Sundays and throughout the week. So the reality is, we've been doing our best simply to maintain a virtual version of our church. But listen, as elders and as ministry team leadership, we haven't stopped praying and asking. And maybe many of you as well haven't stopped praying and asking, what more can we do? How, how, can, how can we help people uh, grow? How are they really doing? How do we do our Sunday live stream even better? Oh, I've racked my brains about that one. And then sometime late in September, I ended up rereading a book that I'd written when it came out a couple of years ago. And that came out of a conversation I'd had with someone on the ministry team during the summer. And I went back to read it. And it really, really has... Uh, warm my heart and is part of the impetus for what we're doing over the next four to five weeks. 
And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't read it, maybe you want to pick it up and, and have a look at it. The book is called Letters to the Church, written by Francis Chan. Now, I've followed, read, and personally met Francis. Uh, I've just spoken to him for a brief period of time. And I've always been inspired by his journey as a church planter and pastor and author and writer. This book is really the story of his own personal refocusing along with the elders of Cornerstone Church, after planting that church that went on to become not only a church plant, but a megachurch with many, many campuses. It was very, very successful. But after 15 years, he realized, despite all the good things that did happen, not only was the world and culture around them changing, but in their own words, something was off. Something was not right. Not only that, then he and his elders then, and they knew this, and so they began this purposely, purposeful refocusing. Now, what I really appreciated was that they, they realized actually what they were doing was asking the wrong questions. The questions they were asking were all about how can we get more people to come to church, attract more people to come to the building? How can we get people singing more? We need better PA system. All that kind of, they were looking at the attractional model, I guess you could say, of the church. And you know what? They were really good at it. The church in that respect was growing. But they decided they, decided they needed to look at different questions. They decided, and I want to encourage you, that we need to decide exactly the same questions. And the questions they came up with, and I'm proposing for you and I over the next five weeks, is this. What does Jesus really have in mind? What should his church look like today and this year and in the years to come? Now, now I know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I know his word is the same and certain things don't change. But our world is changing. Our circumstances are changing. So we need to ask those questions and, and together find some answers. So with all of this in mind, and as a preface to our series, I know it's a lot, let's do that starting today just briefly. Let's return to the Word of God and look again at what Jesus started in those, that first ever church plant. And let's allow the Holy Spirit, not Glenn, not the elders, not a few members, but all of us in the power of the Holy Spirit, refocus our minds and hearts. So let's look at those first two verses again. I'll put them on screen for you. And let's consider them this morning. Verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So over the next four weeks, we will spend one Sunday, uh, each Sunday, on one of, <coughs> excuse me, one of these four things. Today, more of an introduction. Next week, we will look at the apostles' teaching, and then we will look at fellowship, and then breaking of bread, and finally the prayers. And we might need to add a conclusionary message after that. That's what we're going to look at. For today, I want us to focus on just two words, and just briefly. Two words are highlighted here. Do you see them? Devoted 
and awe. Two amazing words. So let's start with the word awe. Because this word has been actually misunderstood in the context due to its placement mostly in our English translations that we have. In the Greek, it's a little bit different, and so let me help us with that. When you see the word awe here, when you see it here in this text, in this placement, what, would you, what might you assume is producing the awe? Well, putting the emphasis in the wrong place can actually result in not only a lot of confusion, but also a focus that the Holy Spirit is not actually intending at all. So many have believed that the awe was the result of what follows. And you see what follows, right? The awe was the signs and wonders. Now listen, I know how some could get very excited about that, and that's awesome. But listen, in that day, very clearly, the apostles were performing signs and wonders just like Jesus. Now, if you and I were there in that day, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'll, I'll vote for it. If I was there seeing the healings, raising from the dead, these kind of miracles happening, I would be in awe. That's not the focus of the word awe in this text or passage. It's not. What we need to see is the word and. See, where it says, and awe came upon every soul, and it's because it follows after what they'd been continually devoting themselves to, which are the four ways or aspects of worship that they were all participating in. And then you see another and. And after that, the apostles' signs and wonders was also taking place. So now as we refocus, let me ask all of us this question. It's a really important question. It's a very honest question. And there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, including me, people here this morning. Let me ask you this question. Are you filled with a sense of awe every Sunday when we gather online for worship? Okay, let me ask you, put, put it this way. What about before COVID and when we could gather here in person? Was there awe in your hearts and minds? Like, was the awe so uh, uh, inspiring that you were in awe before you even got here, which got you out of bed and, and made you think, no, 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 I'm not going to do anything else today. I need to go to the gathering of the church because I want to experience awe again. Well, my friends, there should be. And the question then becomes... Why not? Where is it? What's missing? If it's not even happening today, right now, but especially when we could physically be here and hear the music and hear the word and have fellowship and koinonia and, yes, hug. Why not? What are we not getting that Jesus wants us to get, that the Holy Spirit wants us to get so that we experience awe when we gather together. Trust me, I'm asking this question. It's not always there for me either. Well, I can answer the question for some of you, but I'll answer for myself because my mind is somewhere else. 
My mind is, is on the next thing or whatever else is going on or what's not going on that should be going on or whatever. So what's the answer to that? Well, the answer begins with our other key word. And that key word is devotion. It, it should literally read this way in the Greek because of the way it's positioned. Again, I'm not trying to get all fancy with you, but it should be this. And they continually, perpetually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They continually devoted themselves to the fellowship. They continually devoted themselves to communion, to breaking bread. They continually devoted themselves to the prayers. They continually did those things. There was a deep, deep sense and reality of devotion. So what's interesting to understand, I think, here, requires all of us to see what they were all doing that resulted in this awe. Now, please hear this. This is so important. What they were all doing is that they were all participating. They were all participating in each aspect of worship, and that resulted in the experience of awe. They weren't all just sitting around watching a few people participate in these four things. They were all participating in these things. We'll look at this a little bit more. I came up with some wacky illustrations uh, for the next Sundays that we'll be looking at some of these things, and, uh, but I'll save you from those this morning. So as I said, they weren't just all sitting around. They were personally, every one of them, continually devoted to the Word, the fellowship, the communion, and the prayers. So let me ask you honestly, when was the last time you came to a Sunday gathering, whether online, but especially in person, prepared to be devoted in that way? So think about it this way. In the past week or two, what one thing, what thing have you been most devoted to where you gave at least an hour to an hour and 15 minutes a, a day or a week to? Do any of you have a screen time app on your... Yeah. An hour and 15 minutes to be continually devoted? Now, let's ask this question. If this kind of devotion is what results in the kind of awe that Jesus truly wants for us as the church, what did they have that maybe we don't have in the same way? What did they do that we do not do that produced, resulted in that kind of awe? Well, the first thing is obvious, should be obvious to us. They had the Holy Spirit of God poured out on them. Let me put it a little bit more precisely for us today. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the most obvious. This kind of devotion that they displayed in that day, this is not, you can't muster this up. This is not natural human devotion. This is supernatural devotion. It can only come out of us by who is in us. And so the Holy Spirit of God must be not only present in you as a believer, but you must be filled with the Holy Spirit 
to be devoted in this way. So yes, this is just days. It's just a week after the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He empowers Peter to preach a very hard-hitting gospel message. And what happens? The Holy Spirit of God cuts people to the heart. That, by the way, is what the Word of God is supposed to do if we will let it do its work. Might create awe. So let's let him do it. The result, the people repented, people got saved, people got baptized, the church begins, the church grows, people get sanctified, people grow in their faith in Jesus Christ, and then they go, and they make Jesus known. Well, they had one more thing that I believe we struggle to have today, or maybe better put, keep. They had unity. They were all devoted together. To all these elements of worship, yes, but also to one another. Look, I won't put it on screen, but look at the passage again, 42 to 47. Let me just highlight the words by my own vocal emphasis to see what I'm talking about. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. All things in common. There you go again. That's koinonia. That's the fellowship. And they were selling their possessions and belonging is distributing the needs to all as any had need. Their homes, they received their food. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. The unity that they had, like the unity that you and I should have today, was again, friends, obviously empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Obviously. But it was also this, it was an answer to prayer. If you remember John's gospel, he begins in John 14 to tell his disciples that I'm going to be, go- I'm going to be going away, by the way, uh, and, uh, and, uh, but don't, don't worry, I'm going to send a helper. I will pray to the Heavenly Father, to my Heavenly Father, to send you the helper, to send you the Holy Spirit, to be with you. And then John 17, Jesus is praying to His heavenly Father in a father-son family relationship. And beginning in verse 20, we read these words. I do not ask for these only. Jesus looking at His disciples, His apostles. Father, I'm not asking for these only, but also for those who will believe in Me through their words. Apostles teaching house to house, that they may all be, what's his prayer? One. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. He goes on and says, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. The glory that Jesus Christ has, He has given to us? Any awe? 
that they may even be one as we are one. Do you get the emphasis? I in them, you and me, that they may become, okay, one more time, perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and that you loved me, even love them even as you loved me. Finally for today, and trust me, <laughs> there is so much more that I thought of saying, but hopefully we'll get into those things and I'll remember those things in the weeks ahead. So please see and hear this. What Jesus had in mind and still has in mind is that, yes, we would all be people who repent of our sins, who are open to the continual working of the Holy Spirit to cut us to the heart and convict us of our sin, to be, yes, initially baptized as a confession of our faith, and then to be truly, fully devoted members of a local church family who love one another like this, who are committed to one another, and who constantly strive to maintain the spirit of unity that exists in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And listen, see exactly here what Jesus says here. His prayer is that we might be perfectly one. I don't know about you, but I, I hope he's still praying. He is still praying. That prayer, that we would be perfectly one. And look again. This is incredible. It is our unity, it says here, our oneness that will witness to the world who Jesus, in fact, is. That's the best way you and I can make Jesus known, by the way, is to be one, family, unified, together, under God. So friends, uh, one thing I hope you've noticed throughout the years of ministry, and maybe here today as well, I, your pastor, and I know many of you as well, I love the church. <laughs> I love this church, of course. I love the Rock Church, which I truly do, but I love the church that belongs to Jesus Christ. There's no other point of being in ministry in the way that I am or that you are. We're all in ministry, by the way than to love His church. I also say that because sometimes, if you know me at all, I can get maybe more than a little disturbed, frustrated, yes, maybe even angry, when I see, hear, or read of those who wish to tear down the church. And that can present itself in many, many different ways, and not just the obvious rants from people who just hate the church because they don't believe there's a God and they want all of us to believe what they believe, which is nothing. It's those also who warp and twist the Word of God to say what they wanted to say. It's the way we all, from time to time, take the gathering, the family, Jesus' bride, just too lightly. It's when we make other things a priority and not the continual devotion to our church family, which is the way that we truly show our devotion to Jesus Christ Himself, to His body, of which we are all members. In his book, Francis Chan put it this way, when you begin to see the church this way, 
as Jesus' church and every person in it as someone whom he loved so much that he died for them and not just you, but as his body, his bride, his family that he has invited you into, well then, you should see it as he and as his heavenly Father see the church. Sacred. It's actually sacred. So friends, let me encourage you in 2021, let's all strive together this year to be one. Let's protect the precious unity that he desires for us. And let's go from this time together here today and let's each one of us ask the Holy Spirit of God in this week ahead to fill us individually, individually, and prepare us and our hearts and our minds to, yes, maybe gather this week in community group and especially next week this way, devoted, prepared to be devoted to worship our Heavenly Father, His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, so that we may experience this awe. Pray with me, would you?